0: When I was a kid, I grew up down in South Florida, and I, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so I came to faith when I was about 17 years old, and Jesus radically changed my life, and just this incredible thing happened to me. And I started hanging out with this other kid at church. His name was Harrison, and his dad was one of the pastors there. His dad's name was Mark. And so I'd go over to Mark's house, and actually, Mar- Mark is my, w- my wife's uncle, but I didn't know her back then. That's family stuff. You don't need to know about that, but here's what you do need to know. Mark was a guy who really, truly loved me. And the way that I knew Mark would love me is that when I was going down a path uh, and I had these old habits, these old patterns in my life from before I knew Jesus and I was hurting myself and hurting the people around me, Mark would call me up and say, hey, Jared, come sit on my back porch with me. And I knew what that meant. We would go out there, it was a screened-in porch so the mosquitoes couldn't kill us down in South Florida, even if the humidity was trying to. We would sit on this swing in the back porch. And that was the place where over and over again, Mark would have these, these conversations where he would correct me, where he would challenge me, where he would lay out a better path for my life, where he would say, hey, this is actually what the Bible says about what's going on in your life. And, and, and these conversations became transformative in my life. They were hard conversations, but they were good conversations because he would help me get back on track. Listen, we, we all get off track in our lives, <laughs> sometimes and one of the things that I noticed and the reason we're doing this teaching series together is that 2020 was a difficult year and 2021 has not let up and for so many people we've dealt with the uncertainty and the anxiety and the just all of the unknowns instead of turning to God. We've turned back to some of those bad habits. We've turned back to some of those sinful ways of coping with life and reality. And we're getting stuck all over again. And you know that feeling where where you turn to something to disconnect from reality or just to feel better for a little while, but it leads into this cycle of sin and then you feel shame about it and then you deny that it's a big deal and you create this distance from God and that pattern just keeps repeating over and over and over again. But God has grace for you to get unstuck. I believe that at the core of my being that God wants to help you get unstuck and live a different kind of life, a righteous life, a holy life like Jesus. And one of the main ways that God wants to bring that grace into your life is through his word, through the scriptures. And that's why together we are looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 today. So let's look at the scripture together, and then I wanna point a few things out to you. Here's what it says. All scripture... Is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And here's a couple of things I want to point out to you from this text about how God gives you grace to change through His Word. Here's the first thing Scripture challenges you because it comes from God. The source of Scripture is God. The origin of Scripture is God. The, the text today says all Scripture is God-breathed, which means that it's not that some Scripture is God-breathed, it's all Scripture that is God-breathed, and that even the parts that are, that are distasteful to us or that we're not sure about or that we don't understand, all of it comes from God. And it's part of how God wants to help you Change. But, you know, it's a tendency, I feel like, especially in the American church, to get rid of the parts of Scripture that we don't like. And we say, well, that was culturally (laughs) conditioned, and then we pay attention to the other parts of Scriptures. But think about this for a second. Every single culture in the world has some part of Scripture that they find uniquely challenging to embrace and believe. And so if you were to travel around the whole world, there would be some cultures that it would be difficult to accept the Bible's teaching on the dignity of women. For some cultures, it would be difficult to abide the Bible's teachings on forgiveness. Or it might be in some cultures, the Bible's teaching on the dignity of slaves as human beings. Some cultures find the Bible's teaching on the sanctity of human life as out of touch and out of date. But this isn't about, hey, what cultures over there do? Here's the important question for you and me. What parts of the Bible... Have your culture made you feel are unattractive or unappetizing or just something that you feel like, ah, maybe this isn't right? And here's a more thought-provoking question. Do you expect the Bible to align with every major area of thinking that you have? Because if you believe that, then you're expecting God to agree with you. Well, that can't be right. In fact, if the Bible matched your thinking perfectly, wouldn't, be that a, wouldn't that be a sign that it's not a divine book? That it agrees with your human perspective on literally everything? In fact, wouldn't that be a sign that the Bible, the entire Bible was culturally conditioned if it perfectly agreed with everything from your culture? No, no, there are parts of the Bible... That always challenge us in whatever culture we find ourselves. And this idea that the scriptures challenge us because they come from God, this is the precondition for having a two-way relationship with God. Well, think about this. If you were ever wrong about something, how would God challenge you about that? How would God correct your thinking on that? You know, there's an old movie called The Stepford Wives. And it was kind of like, it was set out in suburbia and the men had these wives and they were slowly getting replaced with robots that looked just like their wives. And then when the men would like command around the robot wives, and I know that sounds really weird, Google it, look it up later. You know, they would just do whatever they were told because they were no longer people, they were machines and they could never disagree. You know, until the Bible can challenge you and correct you, you can't have a relationship with God where he ever disagrees with you. You can only see God through the lens of American Christianity and he can never challenge you. So scripture has to be able to challenge your thinking. And it does challenge your thinking because the source of scripture is God himself. Here's the second thing I wanna point out from our scripture today, our text, is that faithful ministers use scripture to challenge you. Faithful ministers use scripture to challenge you. The verse above says that scripture does its work of teaching, rebu- rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. And in this context, the, this letter was written by Paul to his protege, Timothy, and it was actually the last letter that Paul ever wrote. And he was giving instructions as a man of God to Timothy. That means like a ser- someone who's serving God to any sort of church leader like an elder or an overseer of any kind. And because the scriptures come from God, these sorts of ministers should be using it to challenge you. Now, in this letter that Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, he encourages him. He warns him. He says, hey, listen, uh, false teachers are going to come into the church, and and people are going to walk away from the church because they're going to want to hear whatever they want to hear. And so in this section, he gives Timothy a final charge. In other words, Timothy, here's what I want you to do when I'm gone. And he, he says, you know what your work is, Timothy? It's scripture. It is, it is preach the word. Don't move on from it. You don't need some new fad to change people. You don't need some other tool. You don't, you don't need to reach beyond it. Everything you need for life and godliness and faith is found in the scriptures. Stick with those scriptures because they come from God. Now, I want you to listen to this quote from Paul. This is the, ne- the very next verse after the one I read to you earlier. And, li- and think about whether this verse could not have been written to American pastors and be talking about social media. Here's what Paul said. I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And listen to this. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Isn't that a crazy verse? You know, it... It reminds me, it makes me think of when you say, man, I wish the Bible actually said this. And so you go online to social media, and I guarantee you, if your itching ears long to hear that, you can find somebody out there who's saying that. And in fact, because of social media, you can put yourself in a bubble where everybody agrees with that and says that. But the the true work of a minister is not to tell you what you want to hear, but to challenge you with the scriptures. And listen. If you want to change, if you want to get unstuck and grow in a holy life and become more like Jesus, you need ministers who will faithfully teach the word of God to you, every part of it, and then you'll tend to change and grow. Here's the third thing I want to point out to you, is that scripture challenges you to live differently, not just to think differently, but to live differently. In this verse that we're looking at today, there's a progression of change in your life. And the outcome of that progression is you living a righteous life. And, and, and again, that's what this series is all about. It's about you getting unstuck, leaving behind those sinful ways of living and stepping into righteous and holy ways of living. And the Bible gives us four words to show the progression of how, how the word does its work. It says that it's useful for teaching. And this is a word in Greek that also means doctrine. And so the first step to change in your life is to come to a different understanding of what's true. Listen, here's the truth. You hear a thousand messages a day, both explicit and implicit, that are counter to what the scriptures teach. That it's counter to what the scriptures teach about greed and money, about lust and sexuality, about godliness and about self-control. And you're constantly hearing something else. But here's the thing for me, And I hear that from smart people. I hear that from dumb people. I hear it all over the place. But Jesus rose from the dead. And so if I'm going to listen to somebody else other than than Jesus, then they're going to have to do something more impressive than rise from the dead. Like my Savior defeated death. And so I'm going to listen to him and listen to his voice and let him teach me what is true. So it's useful for teaching. The second thing is it's useful for reproof. And this means, it's got the word proof in it. It means to show you where your life doesn't align with the truth of God's word. It's not whether I think your life is off course or whether your mother-in-law thinks your life is off course. It's about, does your life line up with God's word? Which is something that my mentor Mark would do for me on that that swing on his porch in South Florida. As he would say, listen, here's what's going on in your life, but here's what the Bible says. That's reproof. It's when God shows you through his word that you are off course. It's when the Bible calls self-obsession and self-flaunting the sin of vanity. It's, it's when the Bible says hoarding wealth for yourself is a form of greed. You have to let it do its work. The third word it uses is it says it is useful for correction. If reproof is showing you where you get off track, correction is, hey, let's help you get back on track. Let's, let's teach you how to live the right way. If correction, correction is when you take something that's broken down and you build it back up if reproof is not like this, then correction is, but do it like this. And then lastly, it's useful for training in righteousness, that ongoing training to live a life of virtue that keeps you on the path of blessing. It keeps you walking with God. It keeps you living like Jesus. And I, wanna, and I think that idea of living like Jesus, that training in righteousness is living like Jesus is so important for people in our culture and our society because one of the reasons that I've encountered it as a pastor, I see this all over the place, It that people do not obey the word of God fully is that you're worried. You say, if I were to take everything in the Bible seriously, and I were to obey everything in the scriptures, would I end up like those people on the front steps storming the Capitol building holding Jesus save signs? And Listen, in Boston, that is, a, that is a sincere fear of people that if you were to obey the Bible fully, that you would become like kind of a Bible Belt right-winger, that that's automatically what you would become. But, but listen, listen, God came to totally transform your life. And his goal through the scriptures is not to help you join a political party. It is to make you like Jesus. And so the, the only thing you have to fear when you're following the scripture, is, is, well, you just have to know, it's gonna make me more like Jesus. And I'm gonna have to give a lot of things up that I hold close in order to follow him. And so there is no fear in becoming like Jesus, the most loving and wise man who ever lived. And so that is the progression of how God changes you through his word. Now, when you leave here today, you know, it's not enough just to say, oh, the scripture, that's a good thing. You have to let the scripture challenge the way that you think and the way that you live. You've got to encounter it and really wrestle with it. You know, it's the beginning of the year, so a lot of Christians have started Bible reading plans, but the truth is, it's not about how much scripture you get through, it's about how much scripture gets through you and about how the Lord changes you as you wrestle. With his word. So you've got to get your, the word into your life in such a way that it can challenge your thinking in your life. And there's a couple of ways that I want to encourage you to do this. One way that you can do this is by committing to show up and, and commit to attending church. Show up for Sunday services. When church is online, say, I'm going to be there online. Anytime you're in town saying, I am going to commit and make it my absolute mission in life, to be there when the doors of church are open. Because our church services revolve around Scripture here. Like, we always preach from the Bible. Pastor Cam picks songs that are saturated with Scripture. We read Scripture during the services together. And on top of that, part of our job, my job personally, is to do the hard work of bridging not just what does the Bible say, but how does this crash into our lives and affect the way that we live. When I was 17 and, and, and um, my mentor Mark was having all those conversations with me, one of the other things in my life that was the most transformative was I started attending a church every single week. And I was 17, so I would go to the youth group and there was this youth pastor named Garland and he would teach uh, a message every week, 15 or 20 minutes. And they were short, but they were about one thing about God and me and how I could change my life to live a godly life. And those messages completely shaped my life and so much of my ministry and what I have today goes back to those 15 minute messages from Garland about who God is and how I can respond to that you know your commitment to attend church will profoundly shape your life and so maybe one of your next steps is to check into the service today because we'll send you some reminders. If you check in today, we'll make sure you get a reminder when we do a new teaching series at the church or when we have events coming up. And so we'll send you a text alert just so you can say, you know what, I need to be there. So I'm gonna set up a reminder in my life to be there. But it is our decisions that define who we become over the long run. Maybe you need to decide to attend church. Here's the other way that you can let the scripture challenge your thinking and your life. You've got to read the word daily. And listen, if I didn't say that as your pastor, you should probably fire me. But we have this treasure. So first of all, almost everybody, 99% or 100% of our church is literate. And that wasn't always the case in history. Like so many people, and even around the world today, don't have that gift of being able to read, but we can read. And we have Bibles literally everywhere. We have more Bibles than anybody in history, any culture, any society has ever had. We have access to God's word. And this happened all through scripture. But when you look in scripture, it usually you can't find much about reading the scriptures. And the reason was that many of them couldn't read and a lot of them didn't have written written scriptures. So what you do hear about in the Bible is they talk about memorizing, meditating, or hearing the word of God as the priest and the person who was literate would read over the congregation. But let, let me give you an example of how this, God, of, of this idea of God's word daily shows up. Psalm 119, 146 says this, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. First thing in the morning, I'm praying to God and I'm getting your word into my life. It's the first thing I do. No Bible, no breakfast. I've got to get it into me. Now, I know that it's a challenge for you to engage daily with God's word because it's a challenge for me too. But we're living through a technology shift that's making it easier than ever before. You can download the Bible app for free on your phone. And if you check into today's service, we'll send you a link to that um, in case you've literally never seen the app store before. (laughs) But you can download the Bible app on your phone for free and listen to the Bible. And so sometimes when I'm on the train or on my way into work, I just listen to scripture and let it wash over me the same way those earliest believers did. And so you've got to get the word into you. Because if you're spending quiet time with God, but you don't have the word, you're just spending quiet time with yourself. Because how is God gonna speak into your life? You know, we also have, a way of journaling through the Bible that we practice at Renewal Church. And maybe if you have a short attention span like me and you start to pray and your mind just wanders all over the place, just writing it down can be a powerful practice. We have free resources we wanna send you on that where I have examples. I have a video walking you through how I do that personally. So you can, you can do it along with me if you want to. And if you check into the service, we'll send you those free resources in an email as well. But you have got to get into God's word every day. You know, as we, as we close today, I just want to reflect on what a treasure it is that God gives us his word so that we can change. He gives us his word so that we can know him and he changes us. It's incredible. My, my grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, she, she passed away many years ago now, but she was young and single during World War II. So some friends of hers got together and they started writing letters to Jewish soldiers who were fighting for the U.S. Army in World War II. And she struck up a correspondence with a soldier named Albert. And so they would write back and forth, my grandmother and this man, Albert, every single day. And they just, they, they shared their hopes and dreams. They, they shared their fears with each other. They fell in love through these letters. And at one point, Albert got leave. So he was allowed to come back to the United States for two weeks. And so he flew back and he found Leona. He found my grandmother. And while he was there for that two-week period, he proposed and they got married because they had already fallen in love through their letters. They already knew each other through their letters. Listen, the Bible says that there is a day when Jesus is coming back for his bride. His church is gonna be a reunion. It's gonna be a big party. There's gonna be a wedding. We're gonna meet face to face on that day. And we will be ready for that day if we have read our Savior's letters and it has warmed our heart and helped us to fall in love with him. And those letters that Jesus writes you, that God has written you, his holy scriptures, Those are how he changes you. That's how he gets you ready. Ephesians 5.27 says, Christ will present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Jesus wants to help you get unstuck, to live a holy life, to live a righteous life, to pursue God with everything you have. He wants you to become holy. So find him in the letters he has written you and let the scriptures challenge your thinking and your life.